Hey, my name is Jason Byler. I'm the pastor of Life Change Church. Thank you so much for checking out our podcasts. I believe that if you'll listen to them, uh, that you will be blessed. Mark 4 tells us that the Word of God uh, planted down inside of our hearts uh, can bring forth a rich, beautiful, abundant harvest in our lives. This is my desire uh, for you. Uh, so as you listen to the Word, just receive it. Let it get down in your heart. And bring forth a harvest. Thank you so much again for listening. God bless you. Yes, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, thank, thank you all for uh, all of your prayers uh, for the last couple weeks for, uh, for myself and, and our family. Uh, very much appreciated. Uh, we are all doing good and uh, know that the Lord is with us and that He has touched us. And I'll tell you, uh, you know, Matthew 5 says that, that it rains on the on the wicked and the righteous, you know, I mean, troubles are coming no matter, you know, who you are, right? So, so if they're coming, you might as well be God's, right? You might as well go through them with, with him, right? You might as well uh, face them, uh, not alone, but with the Lord on your side. And uh, it is good to know uh, that, uh, that he is our heavenly father and we are his children. Let me give a shout out here to Heath. Uh, Hendrick back here for uh, making sure that the church is sanitized and, and safe. Very grateful for all the work that he did there. And uh, he's probably upset with me right now. Uh, but, but, but you're <laughs> and, and also to the, uh, to, the, to the whole Lee family. Was it pretty much the whole Lee family? Yeah, it was group effort. Was Dave involved? No, Dave was not involved. Well, he's not in here, so he, he's uh, just the girls. He was working, but they, they came in here and after Heath and worked, worked, worked and cleaned up uh, everything, and worked hard, took down most of the Christmas decorations that they could take down, so, so very grateful uh, to them uh, for that. Uh, and uh, thank, thank you all not only for your prayers, but for also taking care of us. Uh, while we were quarantined in our house, people were dropping off food and, and, and leaving it on the back of the truck and, you know, calling and say, hey, we left some food uh, um, and, uh, and all that good stuff. So um, I, I think where, where I picked up uh, COVID was my, my brother in Pennsylvania had it and uh, I, I, I was talking to him on the phone and I didn't have my mask <laughs> I didn't have my mask on, and uh, so I might have might have picked. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Praise the Lord. Just uh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Um, so, so this this Sunday is our first uh, Sunday uh, together in the new year. Uh, so I, I would like to do you know a new year, happy new year, new year, uh, beginning of the year message. Uh, this morning, and then next Sunday, I'm going to start a new series. Um, it's, it's actually one that I've been uh, wanting to do for a while, uh, but but haven't had the uh, I, I kind of had the idea, but not the clarity, uh, and and didn't really also have a release. Uh, so I hadn't done it in a, in a long time, but but now I feel like I've got some clarity and release. So I'm going to start a new series uh, next Sunday called "The Lion, the Witch, and the White Robe." The Lion, the Witch, and the White Robe. Yes. I am, uh, yes, I am, I am under the influence in this of the great C.S. Lewis. I'll, I will admit, yes, absolutely, uh, but, uh, but I'm excited about that, and uh, we'll, I think it's relevant and timely, and, and uh, we'll see how the Lord leads and blesses uh, in, that, in that new series. But, but today what I'd like to do is just share with you a, uh, a prayer that I've been Praying that, that maybe you have been praying, maybe, maybe many uh, of you uh, have been praying, uh, and then share with you uh, what, what I believe the Lord has stirred in me uh, as the answer for me to that, to that prayer, and, and, and you meditate on it, and uh, ask the Lord about it, and, and see if it, it resonates with you uh, as well. Um, so to... Uh, so to, so to get going, I, I guess what, what I'd like to do is, 
is uh, we, we've talked about some of these, some of these things, but, but let, me just, let me just kind of bring up some of the, uh, some of the scriptures that, we have, that we've talked about at the end of the year and, and here into the beginning uh, of the year that, uh, that, that kind of show us uh, what's going on in our, in our culture, uh, what, is, what is going on in our America. Uh, I, I know that, that we all recognize that there's been a shift that has taken place in our America, that there's been a shift that's, that's taken place in our, in our culture, it seems like it's just happened. It hasn't. It's been a long time moving. It's been, been a long time coming. But, you know, I guess things that happened last year have just really, uh, have really brought it to the surface so that we're now seeing it more uh, than ever. Uh, but a uh, but, but I think it's really important for us as the people of God to, to recognize uh, this shift and to, uh, and to be able to, to see it for, for what it is. Uh, so, so maybe a good way to, uh, to identify it and gain clarity on it is, is just to go right in uh, to the Word of God. These are some verses that we have already looked at, but let's, let's look at them again just to, uh, just to all get back on the same page and, and, and to see what's going on in our country. One of them is is Psalm 12, uh, verse 8. Uh, by the way, you know, the Lord's really, I mean, I've, I've been actually in the, in the book of Psalms my entire life, I feel like, uh, but, it, but it's really uh, stirred me to really look to the, to the Psalms and, um, and has, uh, I, I think, shown me things that I've not seen before. You ever, you ever read through Scripture and, uh, and you know you've read that like a lot? And, and then you see something in it that you've not seen before, and you're like, how did I, how did I miss that? That's been there all this time. Anyway, the, I feel like the Lord's been uh, doing that. But this is, this is one of the things that's taken place in our America that, is, that has taken place in, in our culture. We see it here in Psalm 12, verse 8. It says this, uh, uh, verse uh, 7 talks to us about the wicked. And it says that they, that they freely strut about. Uh, when what is vile is honored by mankind or or by uh, the human race, that the that the wicked they freely strut about. I'm gonna move this. Sarah's like peeking up over the top of it. There, I know how important it is for her to see me, uh, so I just wanted to shift that out. <laughs> yes, thank you. Yes, okay. I'm gonna try to stay focused. That, the, that the, the wicked, they freely strut about when what is vile is honored among mankind, is honored uh, you know, by, the, by the human race. So one of the things that, is, that has happened in our America is that, is that things that, that are vile are now, uh, now being honored and, and praised. And things that used to be in our culture vile and, and, and opposed are now being honored and applauded and and praised. This shift has has taken place, and and you know I think this is probably a good place to bring into the conversation. You know the uh, the difference now in what is politically correct and what is biblically correct. You know I think there was a time in the past. I'm, I'm not sure that that they that the political correctness and biblically correctness have ever you know perfectly aligned in our in our America and in our culture but but they were much more in agreement and alignment in the past than they are now now there is an incredible difference between what is what is politically correct and what is biblically correct they are not at all in alignment or or unity or in agreement they are in opposition to one another. So, so what the Bible, and, and this points it out, that what the Bible uh, says is, is vile, uh, now in, in our culture, that is, in our politically correct, uh, on the politically correct side, is not vile, but it is honored and applauded and praised among uh, mankind. And what happens when that takes place is that, that then wickedness is released and it, and it freely uh, struts about. So we have what is going on in our in our in our America is that what is biblically correct is is not politically correct, and people are are embracing what is politically correct and honoring that, even though that it is opposed to what is biblically correct, and they are opposing uh, what is biblically correct. So uh, so now what the Bible would say is vile, our culture 
says is beautiful and wonderful and honored and should be and should be praised. And and what the Bible would say is beautiful and and honored and and right and just and true is now vile in our in our culture. This is a shift that has uh, taken place. This should concern us because what scripture says it's not right here but well it is right here it says what's, what what happens then is that wickedness uh, is, is released and free to move about and not be restrained in, in any way. So, so now, the other thing that, is, that I've recognized and noticed, and this is incredibly troubling to me, and so it, it stirred me to pray, right? When we get incredibly troubled, we should be stirred to pray, is that, and I've noticed it, I'm not saying this is, this is unique to, to young Christians, but I've noticed it mainly among uh, young young Christians, you know, like you know, maybe maybe thirty five and and under. And I'm not saying that's you know, there's this cutoff line. I'm just saying that's what I've what I've recognized is that is that young Christians are believing and embracing not what is biblically correct, but what is politically correct, and and they are passionate about. Uh, they, they're making like core values and part of their doctrine and, and, and their convictions, what, what's, what's opposed to the Bible, but is politically correct in our culture. Now, now what is, what's kind of challenging about it is, is that these, these Christians believe in Jesus. They, they confess Him, Lord and Savior. They believe that He's the Son of God, that He died on the cross, that He was buried in a rich man's tomb, that He rose again on the third day, and they are, and they are using their belief in Jesus to support their political correct beliefs. They, they believe that, that Jesus supports their politically correct beliefs, if that makes any, any sense to you there. But you, you very rarely will hear them quote Scripture. And, and if they do, you very rarely hear them quote it co- correctly or, or in context, but they will quote, you know, I, I've heard, you know, f- support uh, for beliefs, uh, you know, from, from, uh, from, you know, Christian artists, uh, you know, m- Christian music, uh, you know, Christian writers. Can I quote that? Can I? You know, so, so there's, there's not a, there's not like a, a great biblical knowledge there, though, to support it. But they, but they believe that the Jesus that they see and that they believe in supports what is what is polit- politically correct in our culture. So you can see how it how it becomes challenging uh, uh, then uh, to uh, to to address and to and to speak and to and to encourage and to lead uh, because of the uh, because of the you know what what I would say is. Is a very real and clear deception uh, that that they are being led by. Um, the, so, so the other thing that's you know, that is uh, that's going on. I think we find uh, in Psalm Psalm chapter two. Um, and I, we'll just read one through Psalm chapter two, one through three. And it this this psalm, you know, as I, as I've told you before, uh, is a, is is prophetic. That, and, and it speaks to uh, the uh, the church age, uh, and and I believe also speaks uh, clearly uh, to the second coming of our Lord and Savior uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, so so let me just take a moment and and maybe just raise my voice, maybe lean back and spread out my hands, and just say to you uh, that uh, that Jesus is coming back again. So shall it be, amen, that our Lord and Savior who ascended is coming back the way that he left, that he will return for his church, for his people, that he will return with his church, with his people, and he will make all things right. And when he returns, it is good to be found ready. Joy and I were talking about this this week as we were, you know, just going through life, uh, talking about the talking about the Word of God. Praise the Lord! It's so good to be married to a woman of God, who you can who you can talk to and with about the Word of God and the things of God and the and the kingdom of God. So, so young ladies in the room, 
Get a hold of a man of God. And young men in the room, get a hold of a, of a woman of God. And it's wonderful to be married to men and women of God and to do life together. Praise the Lord. Jesus is coming. It'd be good to be found ready. And, and, and if these times are, are stirring anything and, and revealing anything and, and showing anything, you know, if the Holy Spirit is at work at all in our lives, we should be able to look and see that God is shaking, moving, stirring, trying to wake up His people and say that the time for complacency and lukewarmness has come to an end. Those days are over and it is time for the people of God to arise, to awaken, and to be ready for the second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. So, so here in Psalm 2, this, this speaks to the second coming of Christ. It also speaks to the church age. Uh, the, uh, the church in Acts chapter 4 uh, quotes this, they, they pray this, and they, and they remind one another of, of this uh, when they are facing their kind of first opposition and persecution. Uh, they remind one another that, that these things are to ex- be expected and that these things are going to take place. Let me, let me read this. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against His Anointed, so so there's going to be a a coming uh, together uh, of 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 the peoples of the earth, of the kings of the earth, of the rulers of the earth, and a, and a coming against the Lord and a coming against uh, His anointed. And the early church reminded us that this is already happening in the book of Acts. So this is still happening in uh, this day. And, and, and they're going to, they're going to conspire and, and they're going to plot and they're going to be deceptions and, and, and wicked strategies uh, to, to come against uh, the, uh, the, uh, the Lord and to come against his anointed and his purpose and uh, his, his plan. So, so I already, I told you this This speaks to the second coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ where he's going to return with the church, with his people, with the armies of heaven to to do battle, if you will, it's not much of a battle, against the Antichrist. And the, and the kings of this earth and the rulers of this earth and the peoples of this earth who have, who have bought into the lies of the Antichrist and the deception of the Antichrist. So, so just to point out, these are, these, are, these are people who are deceived, who you know, conspire and plot and are more than willing to use deception you know, to work about their plans and their purposes you know, you know. So, if, so if any of you don't want to be ready for the second coming of the Lord, uh, for the, for the rapture, just let me tell you what's going to take place. Uh, after the rapture, the Antichrist is going to arise, and he's going to do it through through conspiring and plotting and much deception. There's going to be all kinds of lies and and deceptions that are out there. So, so if you're still here, don't believe it. Run to Jesus. Run to the truth of the Word of God. And be led by the word of God and be led by the Holy Spirit. And, and if that's the way that you should live then, then it's certainly the way that we should live now. So, so then it goes on to say this, and this is, this is what's going on taking place. It says, let us break their chains, they say, the, the, the rulers and the, and, the, and the kings and the peoples. Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. So, so they want to, they're, they're coming against the Lord and coming against his anointed, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and, and, and his bride and, and saying, let's break their chains and throw off their shackles. So, so they believe that, that the Lord, that his ways, that his thoughts, that his word, that his purpose, that his plan, that his truth, they believe it to be chains. And they believe it to be shackles. 
They, they believe the truth of the word of God and, 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 and his plan and purpose for their lives to be, to be binding them and chaining them and, and shackling their, their hands and their feet. And so they say, and their feet, so they say, we've got we've to come together against the Lord and his anointed and throw off the binds, throw off the chains, throw off the shackles. You see, the deception here is, is the belief that the way of God, that the word of God, that the truth of God is, is, is enslaving, that it puts them in prison, that it binds them in chains, that it locks them in shackles. And this, this, this church couldn't be further from the truth. The truth is, and, and it is so clear for us who have believed it, that God's truth is not, is not chains and shackles. That God's truth is what sets us free from the chains and shackles. That, that Jesus didn't come to throw us in prison. That He came to release the captive. That He isn't placing us in darkness. That He has brought light and sight to our lives. That what God wants for us is not slavery but freedom. That what He wants for us is not destruction and death, but life abundant and eternal. What is, what is the famous verse in Scripture? It is that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That I love how, how this is so inclusive. Not leaving anybody out that He loved the world. Everybody in it, Right? That he gave his only begotten son that, that, what's the next word? That whosoever, that means anybody, anywhere, anytime, any place, any gender, any race can come to him. That whosoever believes in him shall not, hey yeah, perish, but have everlasting life. See, this is a lie. It is not true. Jesus, it's Jesus that said in John 10, 10, he said, he said the, the enemy, the thief, he comes to do this. He comes to bind and enslave, to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to take your peace. He wants to take your freedom. He wants to take your destiny. He wants to lock up your life, devour you, and destroy you. It's, Jesus said it's the enemy that comes to do that. He said, I've come that you might have what? You know the verse. Life and that more abundantly. Not, not just abundant. But more abundantly. It, it's 2 Peter 3 9, where, where Peter says, God is not slow in, his, in keeping his promise as we understand slowness, but he's patient. Why? Because he doesn't want, he desires not, he, does, he doesn't have anything inside of him that wants anyone to perish, but he wants everyone, all, to come to repentance. God is not a God of death. He is a God of life. And He desires for us life, abundant, rich, true, everlasting. It is in Christ that we find freedom and find peace and, and love and joy and blessing, salvation, deliverance, light, life, and life eternally found in Christ Jesus. Now, we see this, uh, I think, very clearly. If, if we go all the way back to the, to the beginning, back to Genesis. My dad would always tell me, if you, if you want to get understanding, and you want to get clarity, and, and, and you want to get yourself back grounded and, and founded, and, and you want to really see what's right and just and true and know, and, and know what's going on, get back into Genesis. Go back in uh, to Genesis. So, so if, we, if we get back in to Genesis and, uh, and, and look at Genesis chapter 2, 8, 8 and 9, we, we remember that God here has created the heavens and the earth, uh, that he has, he has formed uh, Adam and breathed the breath of life into him so that, so that Adam became a living being. Uh, very different from, from the creation of the animals. Uh, very, uh, very, very clearly different from the way that God formed any other life on the planet. Uh, the way that he formed Adam 
and, and, and made man and breathed the breath of life into him. And then it says uh, this in, in verse 8, where we'll pick it up. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And then the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So God plants a garden for Adam. He makes all kinds of beautiful things grow up out of the garden. There's four rivers that run through the garden. There's all kinds of trees in the garden that are, that are pleasing, that are wonderful to look at, that are good for food. And then there are two special trees in the garden, there is the tree of life that is in the middle of the garden, and there is also the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, just a reminder uh, before we move on is that, is that here in the garden, God, uh, God says to, he gives Adam one command, one instruction. This is all that it is. He says, you are, he says, you are free, by the way to eat of every tree in the garden. He said, just don't eat of this one, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And sometimes when you, you, know, you hear some people talk about, well, God put two trees in the garden. He told, told Adam and Eve not to eat of them. It's not right. He put two trees in the garden. He put a bunch of trees in the garden. Adam could eat of all of them. The only one he said not to eat of is a tree of knowledge and good and evil. They were free to eat of the tree of life. Go to it and eat. Go to it and enjoy. Because God is not a God of slavery or shackles or chains. He is a God of life. He set them in the garden and gave them all that they needed. It was a wonderful, wonderful place and they could freely come and eat of the tree of life. He just simply said to them, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Then, then I'm sure you probably remember what what happens here in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, this, this sly, deceptive serpent who is the devil, this, this dragon who leads the whole world astray, comes and deceives Adam and Eve. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made, and he said, uh, to the woman, did God really say uh, you must not eat from the tree uh, in the garden? So, so causing her to, using deception, causing her to doubt uh, the word of the Lord. Then the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from any of the trees uh, in the garden. But God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. God did say you, you can't eat from the tree. He didn't say they couldn't touch it, but he did say that they shouldn't eat of it. And, uh, and so then the verse 4, you know, the serpent now disagrees with God and says, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So he, so he throws out here this, this deception that, that leads Adam and Eve astray and has led mankind astray ever since and continues to lead mankind astray. Today, it is, it is, this, it is this thing that God's God's word, God's ways, God's plan, God's truth, it's not there for your good. It's not there for your freedom. It's not there for your benefit. He, he wants to chain you and shackle you and bind you and keep you down. He wants to hold you back from what you could be and what you could have. He's not working for your good. By the way, one of, one of the truths that you got to get down inside of your heart, that, that must be planted inside of you and, and, and immovable, that cannot be taken out of you or, or ripped out of you, is the goodness of God. you got to have great Romans 8 down inside of you. you got to know that God is working for the good of His people, for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. It, we don't always see it, but we trust that God does. 
us. We don't always recognize it. It doesn't always make sense to us. But we believe in the goodness of God, in the faithfulness of God, in the truthfulness of God, and know that no matter what I face or what I'm going through, if I am His and I am living for Him and called by His name and, 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 and living to glorify Him, that He is working and moving for my good. you got to be convinced of the goodness of God. And if you are, you almost completely rob the enemy of anything that he has to lead you astray. Because when he comes saying, God's, God's against you, God's lying to you, he's deceiving you, he's trying to enslave you and shackle you, he's not working for your good, he's really working for your destruction, you better watch out for God. When the enemy comes deceiving with that deception, which is always what he does, you can say, no sir, no sir, I am convinced of the reality of the goodness of my God, and I know that He is working for my good. I don't see what He sees, but I trust Him. I don't know what He knows, so I trust Him. I can't even comprehend His ways or His thoughts. I just trust Him, and I know that He is loving, that He's kind, that He's compassionate, that He's good, that He's slow to anger and abounding in love. It's planted down inside of me, and Nothing you can say will ever take that from me. So because of his goodness and his faithfulness and his wisdom, I shall serve him all the days of my life. And let me tell you this, if he said not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I am not eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. you got to have it in you. Eve should have. I don't know how long they walked through the garden with the Lord. But she should have. She should have known. I don't, need to, I don't need to listen to this. I need to listen to him. The tree of the, of the knowledge of good and evil, God's holding out on you. He knows that, that when you eat of it, you will be like God. Isn't that what Satan wanted? Isn't that where he messed up? Is he desired, he aspired to be like the Holy One? He wanted glory and honor for himself. He wanted to rule and reign. He wanted to, he wanted to lay hold of what is right and wrong and, and, and define it for himself. And now he's, he's leading Eve astray to do the same thing. So, so you know what happens. So, Verse 6, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, uh, who was with her, and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And then, you know the, how the story goes, the Lord shows up in the garden, and, and instead of, instead of, running to meet with him where he is. They go and they hide away uh, from the Lord. And the Lord says, where, where are you? And they say, Lord, we're, we're, you know, we're hiding from you because we realized we were naked. And so the Lord speaks to them and he, and he speaks to Adam and he, and he speaks to Eve and he, and he speaks to the, to the serpent, to the devil, and he, and he brings the instruction of, 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 of Jesus, the, the prophetic prophecy of Jesus coming and going to defeat the enemy. And then, and then men struggling with, with producing food from the ground and women struggling with bringing forth children. And then, and then he says this, at the end of, uh, of Genesis chapter 3 and verse 21. In verse 21, then the, the Lord God uh, made garments uh, of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live uh, forever. So, so now because they have... They have eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now all of a sudden, this tree that they were free to go to, that they were free to eat from, now all of a sudden they are no longer allowed to eat from the tree of life. Now they're going to be restricted and blocked from coming to the tree of life and eating of the tree of life because if they eat of the tree of life, they will live forever. So, so God doesn't at any time, open up both of these trees to them. 
There's not, you can eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and you can eat of the tree of life. You see, he says, he says, he says, all these trees are in the garden, eat of them. Just don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So the tree of life was open for them to eat of. It, it almost implies that they never did, that they never went and ate from the tree of life, because if they had, or, or, or maybe when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they lost that that they had eaten of, of the tree of life. I, I, don't know, I don't exactly know, but we do know this, that now that they have eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they cannot eat from the tree of life. It, it, it's one or the other. It's not both. You, you, can't, you can't go and say, you know what, I'm taking for myself what is only God's, and I'm going to take for myself the defining of good and evil. I'm embracing that. I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm going to call this good and I'm going to call this evil. Or I'm going to call that good and I'm going to call this evil. And it doesn't matter what God says. I don't, I don't care what he thinks. I'm, I'm taking that for myself. You can't take that and eat of that and then also think, now I'm also going to partake of the life that is found in Jesus Christ. Now I'm also going to partake of abundant life. It, it, it's not both of them. It is, it is one or the other. And after they eat of the tree of life, they lose access to the tree of, of after they eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they lose access to the tree of life. And see, what, what's taken place and what is going on in, in our culture is, is this belief that we can embrace for ourselves eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and still have life and that more abundantly and that eternally and you cannot have both. It is one or the other. So if you in wisdom and, and, and faith and drawn by the Holy Spirit and, and Lord, I hope we do. If we, if we run to Jesus, to the tree of life, and eat from the tree of life, then we are giving back to God the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and saying, that, that's yours. It's for you to define what is right and wrong. It's for you to define what is, what is vile and, and not. It's for you to define what is, what is just and good and, and holy and true. It's not mine. It's not ours. We don't want it. We're not going to partake of it. We are going to eat from the tree of life that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and we are going to live by the word of God. But, but what we've got going on here in our culture is this desire for both, and it's not, you can't have it, it's one or the other. But what we see is that if we will give God what is God's, and we'll recognize who's God and who's not. Right? That's a great revelation, isn't it? God is God and I am not. And we will give Him the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is His. That's for Him to define. Then we can come to the tree of of life, and that is always what God has wanted. He has always wanted for us to live, for us to have abundant life and have eternal life. It is, it is, it is not His desire to shackle us and bind us and enslave us and imprison us and destroy us. It is His desire that we would have life that more abundantly he wants us to eat from the tree of life that is in the garden let me let me finish reading this cuz just so if you didn't remember this is how it ends so the lord god banished him from the garden of eden to work the ground from which he had been taken after he drove the man out uh, he placed on the east side of the garden of eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. So he's, so he's banished from the tree of life, and there is a cherubim with a, with a flaming sword that is guarding the way so that, so that man cannot now come to uh, the tree of life. This, this, is, this is chapter 3, and then you get into chapter 4, after Adam and Eve have eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and have been banished from the garden, what is the very first thing that happens in chapter 4? Murder. 
the very first murder uh, takes place. Because this is, this is what happens when, when we decide that we're going to be God and that we're going to define what's right and wrong and just and true and good and evil and honored and, and vile. When we make all of those you know, decisions, that, that's the very first thing that, that takes place. Let me, uh, let me just remind you of, of Revelation chapter 9, where, where the, uh, the world is now being greatly influenced by the, by the spirit of Antichrist. And, and we see at the, at the end of Revelation uh, chapter 9, verses 20 and 21, we see what the culture that is under the influence of the Antichrist uh, looks like, and it is this. Uh, the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands. Uh, all that God is, is doing, that they know that God is doing, they still won't repent. They did not stop worshiping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, sto- stone, and wood, idols that cannot see or hear or walk. Verse 21, nor, nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, their sexual immorality, or their thefts. There, there's no repentance in, of, of these things, and these are the culture. This is the culture of the, of the, that is under the influence of the spirit of Antichrist. It, it, is, it is chains and shackles. Do, do you want to live in that? You want to live in, in where, there's, where there's murders and, and magic arts and sexual immorality and, and thefts? And, and this really uh, points... Uh, to uh, this is where we get our word, you know, medicine uh, from, and and that really points to to you know turning to very destructive drug abuse here. So so you've got murders and and drugs and immorality and and thefts and, and thefts really uh, points uh, to an abandoning of the golden rule, which is which is if you don't know is is you know Matthew seven that's Jesus. It is do unto others what you would have them do unto you. Right? If everybody lives by the golden rule, then, then you don't even need uh, laws or, or police or anything else, right? Because I don't, does anybody want their neighbor to break in and steal their stuff? I don't. Right? I don't want that. So the golden rule says if I don't want that, then I don't do that. If I don't want my stuff stolen, then I don't steal somebody else's stuff. It's, it's, it's a valuing of my life and a valuing of someone else's life, right? It's, it, that's what loving your neighbor is. You understand the golden rule. You understand loving your neighbor as you love yourself. If you don't understand that statement, look at the golden rule. The golden rule is to love others the way that I, that I want to be loved. It's to do to others what I want done uh, to me, right? It, so, so there's this abandoning of the golden rule. Uh, there is an embracing, of the, a rejecting of, of purity, of God's standards of purity, uh, immorality. There, there are murders and there are drugs. Does, does that look anything like our, our culture? It looks a lot like our culture. And, and by the way, these two really affect uh, one another uh, right here, where, where there's an abandoning of purity, uh, of God's standards, and, and, and there is and there is an honoring of sexual immorality, then what takes place is, is this always leads to violence. Violence always follows this. And, and I could show it to you biblically. It, it would it would it'd make your hair stand up. And, and maybe someday I will. But you know, we'll, we'll slap a rated R on that before we do it. Um, but, but this always leads to this. It always does. And, and you can track it out and see it uh, in our in, in culture as well, whenever whenever purity goes out the window and this comes in, this is violence and murders are, are always the the result uh, of that. Uh, so, so what do we do? You know, this troubles me. It, it burdens me, right? So I said, so I'm troubled, I'm burdened. So, so what do we do? We pray, and so I'm I'm praying. I just tell you my prayer. Pray, Joy, Joy said I was going to preach for forty days and forty nights. I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm not, uh, um, but I but I am going to preach. Uh, not today, but I'm going to preach till the end of my days. I tell you that I'm going to proclaim the Lord till He takes me, till He takes me home. Um, this is 
so, so I'm praying, maybe you're praying. But, you know, looking at our nation it, and, and, and all the craziness that is going on, and, and, and I know everybody's bothered on every side by all the things that are taking place. And, and I'm saying, Lord, I, you know, I want to do something. What, what can I do? You know, 1 Peter uh, 1.13 says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. It, it's, 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 we're called to do something, and we've got to get prepared to do something. What, what can I do? Anybody else praying that? I don't know if you're praying that or not. You know, maybe, maybe online you're listening. Are you praying that? You know, Lord, well, I want to do something. What can I do? So I've been praying that, and, and, uh, and I'll just share with you the, what I think the Lord has stirred in me as the answer to, to my prayer. Lord, what can I do? And, and you take it and think about it. At least, at least give it some thought and, and some prayer and say, Lord, is this, is this for me as, as well? Because obviously I think it is. Otherwise, I wouldn't, I, w- I wouldn't share it with you. But I was reminded, I was reminded this past week uh, that uh, that Mother Teresa said something pretty powerful. She said, "She said uh, if if you want to change the world, she said go home and love your family." Isn't that powerful? If you want to change the world, go home and love your family. And, and I think that what that reminds us of is that there is that one of the reasons why things are are this way is because of the attack on the family. And that the family is not what it should be. And one of the things that we can do to change it is get back to our family. To go home and love your family. It's interesting to me, in in Luke chapter 1, if I could just have a few more moments. In Luke chapter 1, the the introduction of the birth of John the Baptist uh, focuses right in on family. And, and that John prepares the way for the first coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And there is a focusing in uh, right on family. Let me read these to you. Uh, then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, we know this is the angel Gabriel, the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Uh, Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. By, by the way, if I could pause in, in 1 Peter 1.13, many of the translations say there, you know, to, to prepare our minds, uh, to, to gird up our loins, the, the loins of our minds, and, and to be sober. To be sober, that, that we're not to be uh, that we're not to be uh, drunk on things, but we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit, which is exactly what, what Ephesians 5 says when it reminds us of the evil days that we live in. It says, don't be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, that that we're, not to, we're not to be drunk on the things of this, of this world. We're to be full of the Holy Spirit. And this was John's condition as well. Verse 16, he will... He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. Hallelujah. And I I just pray this over this generation that's that's rising up, that they'll bring back many of the people to the Lord their God. And and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. That was powerful what Joy was preaching this morning. Stirred some stuff up in me. I don't know, I'm, I'm running out of time here. But man, Elijah... Elijah wasn't where he was supposed to be, but when the wind came, he wasn't moved by the wind. And, and when the storm, when the earthquake came, he wasn't moved by the earthquake. And, and when the fire came, he wasn't moved by the fire. But when the voice of the Lord spoke, the word of the Lord spoke, he was moved by the word of God. And in this, in this COVID time and, and craziness in the world time, we can't be moved by fear, and we can't be moved by our culture, we can't be moved by, because God's not in that, but He is in His Word, and we should be moved by His Word, and do you know what God said to Elijah? He, he, he said, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. He said, I'm not done with you yet. 
He said, I want you to go and anoint this prophet Elijah who will, who will, Elisha, who will succeed you. And I want you to go and anoint a king. I'm not, I'm not finished. You've got stuff to do. You have action that you are to take. Elijah, move. And maybe the word of the Lord stirs us this morning to action. That God's not done with us yet. And we've got to stop being moved by all the things that are going on around us that God's not in. And be moved by his word because he is in his word and he's calling us to action this morning. Hallelujah. To turn the hearts of the prophet, to, to turn the hearts of the parents, or, or, or probably more accurately translated, the fathers, uh, to their children and the, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Do you, do you see the family in here? There's this, there's this call of God on, on John, and, and it's going to affect the family. I think if we want to make a difference, if we want to make a change, then we need to love our families. We need, we need fathers. Now, I think there's like this specific focus on, on fathers because moms just seem to be good at this. And dads can easily wonder. We need to call men back to being fathers and being, and being lovers of their wives and lovers of their children and lovers of their families. I, I just want, I want someday, and I don't know that I want this, but I, I don't want someday Elizabeth to stand and preach and say, and say, well, mom took me to church. And that'd be fine if she did that. But, but I would like to be mentioned. I, want, I, I, want, I at least wanted to be mom and dad made me go to church. Because I know in my life who, who made me go to church. And, and mom was involved, but it was dad that laid down the law and said, you're, no son, you're not. You're going to church. You're going to go to church. You're not, you're not going to do that. You're not skipping. You're not going to watch The Wizard of Oz. You're going to go to church. Okay? You're not going to, you, you know, you play basketball all the time, son. You're not playing on Sunday. All right? Just, you're going to go to church. You can play between church, but then you're going to be at church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, 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 again, and 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 again. And look what I've become, a lousy preacher. Because dad made me go to church. We got we to gotta love, love our families. If you, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. Love your family. And then and the second thing, and I think these two, I, I don't think they're separate, but I'm going to identify them separate. And I think they need to be said. And, and you probably already know what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say it. And I'm going to tell you that, that I believe that the Lord stirred this in me. Love the church. You got to go home and love your family. And if you love your family, you better love the church. I, I just mentioned the importance of dads bringing their kids to church. It, it's not a time... I think it's over. This time of, of not loving the church has come to an end. I'm just, I'm telling you, it needs to be done. One of the reasons that, that, that all this has taken place in America is American Christians are leaving the church. It's last numbers I heard were 18%, and that was before COVID. And when COVID hit, many people have left the church, and they're not coming back. I don't, know, I don't know what the numbers are now, but, but 18% is, is down from, from what used to be 60-70%. And why do we think that there is an abandoning, a, a turning away from the Lord and from His truth? Let me just say this again. It, it, truth goes. Freedom goes. Prosperity goes. We abandon the Word of the Lord. These things, these things go. All right, all right, I know I'm going long here. Luke, Luke chapter 2, as, as Jesus appears on the scene, we see, uh, we see a family, uh, we see church 
Luke chapter 2, verse, verse 49. You, you, know the, you know the story when, you know, when, uh, when Jesus' family went to the, to the temple uh, and then they returned and they, and they thought Jesus was with them, but he wasn't. And like three days later, they realized that he's gone. And when they find him, they find him in, in, in the temple in the house of God. And he says this, verse 49, he says, says why, why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Some translations, like I think King James does, I had to be about my father's business. I think both give us a good understanding that that the house of God and is also connected to the, to the business of God. And Jesus said, I've got to be about my father's business, and that means I've got to be in his house. We see early on, when, you know, when Jesus came into the temple with the, with the whip and he drove out the, the money changers, the, 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 the apostles and the disciples recognized that, that it would be said of him that he, would, that he would be consumed with a passion for his father's house. Jesus, Jesus also said that, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He says that his church is his bride. He is a lover of the church. It is his body. And if we want to make a difference and change our culture, we need to love the church as well. I think what God stirred in me as an answer was love your family and love my church. Love your family and love my church. And if Christians all over America would rise up and go home and love their family, and then they would gather their family and take them to church and love their church, I believe we start to see a shift. We start to see a change. We start to see something move in our America that needs to move. We start to see a returning to the word of God, to his truth, to his ways. And, 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 and maybe then we would become united. You know why there's unity? There was unity, right? Because we were one nation under God. When we're no longer under God, the oneness goes away too. How can we be one? when we're not under God anymore, when, when it was in God we trust. Not, it, it's never been, has it? In God's? In God's we trust? And then start naming off all the gods? No, it is, it is in God we trust. And what we were saying is in the God of the Bible, the Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, God, God the three in one we trust. And when we are in God we trust, and we are under God, then we can become one nation. And if you're praying and wondering, what, what can I do? What can I do? Go home and love your family. Gather your family and bring them to church and love your church. And we'll begin to see a shift and a change, I believe, with all of my heart. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you. I, I don't know if anybody else does, but I feel your presence here. We thank you for that. Lord, Lord I know here in the last couple months, whenever we've gathered, I don't know if anyone else has, but I, I felt like you have been with us, speaking to us and blessing us, and we thank you for that and glorify your mighty name. Lord, we thank you that you have, you have brought us through difficult times, and that if we face difficult times in the future, that you will... You will be with us and you will be faithful and true and good. And Lord, we are, we are not afraid and we are not swayed or moved or led by, by the things that are going on around us, but we do want to be moved by your word. And I think this morning, Lord, that your word is spoken to love our families and to love your family, to love our families and to love your church. Pray, Lord, that you would help us to do this, that you'd give us wisdom to do this, that you'd give us Holy Spirit guidance and power to do this. 
And Lord, I pray all across America right now that you would you'd stir your people who believe in you, who confess your name, who believe in your word and your truth and, and believe that you are the only begotten Son of God, that you'd stir them to, to go home and love their families and to gather their families together and bring them to church and love the church. I pray that this would happen all over our country. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. And all God's people said, amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just, I just don't want to end. I don't want to give this end without giving you the opportunity and all of you who may be watching or listening, if you've not trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior, to open up your heart, invite him in, make him the Lord of your life. I want to pray I want to pray and, and I'm just going to pray and you just repeat after me if you, want to, if you want to give your heart to Jesus. Just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I believe that I'm a sinner and right now I receive your forgiveness. Jesus, I believe that you are the only begotten Son of God and right now I place all of my hope and trust in you. I declare that you are my Savior and my Lord, my forever passion. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you all. God bless. Love your family. Love your church.